guys and thanks for joining me. I am joined today by Dr. Meredith Brzezinski, who is a pelvic physiotherapist. Um, so we're going to be talking deep into what this involves and how she helps her clients. Um, so yeah, thanks for tuning in. Hi Meredith, how are you doing? I'm good, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. How have you been um, finding COVID? It's been interesting. So I used to work in a clinic, um, an outpatient orthopedic pelvic health clinic, um, and we shut down for a little bit of time and then have slowly been opening back up and seeing clients with masks and everything like that. Um, but it's hard as a PT because our job is to touch people and be interactive with people and as close to people as we need to be. So it's been it's been challenging for sure, but um, I'm now working in a space where I'm actually treating people in their homes, which is a little bit um, less risky because there's less exposure for the patient. So I'm going directly to them one-on-one, -on -one, which is nice. So I've had a little bit of a change um, due to COVID, but it's actually been a good thing for me. So, yeah. And have you found that, um, we'll be getting into this deep later on, but have you found that COVID has massively affected your clients and the fact that they've had to delay their appointments and stuff and therefore it's affected their health quite in a dramatic way. Definitely, yeah. Especially in pelvic health, I see a lot of patients, you know, immediately post-baby and because of the risk with, you know, children and not knowing exactly what's going on with that, um, I think people are a lot more cautious about coming into a clinic and getting the care that they need. Um, the great thing about pelvic health, and I tell this to everyone, is that we can help at any point um, down the road. So even if, you know, you are fearful because of COVID or there's something going on where it's just not the best time, um, there's a lot of hope out there. I think people, you know, have a baby or they just have an issue with their pelvic floor and they think, oh, it's never going to get better. I'm never going to get treatment. I'm not going to get in, but we can help even years down the road. So um, if you're struggling with anything like that, try to find somebody, even if it's not right now, try to find somebody in the future because we can, we can help down the road as well. Amazing. And so yeah. What would be great to hear from you is kind of the intro to you, how you ended up to where you are, um, and just a bit of background information would be great. Definitely, yeah. So I started um, in, interested in physical therapy because I watched my grandmother have a stroke and kind of go through all the phases of physical therapy. And it was really interesting because her doctors did a lot and her nurses did a lot, but the PTs were really the one that the ones that gave her back her independence and let her live on her own again and all the things. She was a very feisty woman, <laughs> so she liked to be on her own, very independent. So um, they really were the ones that gave her back that level of independent, independence. And so um, I started PT that way. And then I got into the pelvic health world because I saw that most of my low back pain patients, a lot of patients that don't necessarily complain of a pelvic health issue, um, there's something going on in the pelvic floor. And the way that I like to think about the pelvic floor is it's kind of the foundation, it's kind of the base of our core. Um, and so if that's not working, then anything that you do with your arms or your legs and any movement that you make is gonna be affected. Um, our breathing, our diaphragm is closely connected with our pelvic floor. Um, so even if you're not directly having incontinence or prolapse or any of the big things that we hear about a lot, um, you might have something going on in your pelvic floor that is affecting your ability to lift or to breathe or to, you know, do the things that we need to do every day to live. So 
Um, I got into taking some courses and have kind of specialized and I probably treat, um, it depends, I would say probably 40 to 50% of my clients at this point are pelvic health. Um, so I still treat orthopedic conditions, which I like to do, um, but it's all connected. I think most of my um, patients that aren't pelvic floor, we end up doing some kind of pelvic, you know, pelvic health training because it really truly is the foundation of, of all movement. So it's been a really great journey to learn about how it can be helpful for even people with neck pain or shoulder pain and things like that. Amazing. Um, yeah. So I've got to be honest, I have, with my endometriosis, I have really tight um I've, well, I've got i've got a pelvis that tilts to the left anyway um and they basically i went to a pelvic floor physio and they said yep yeah, we need to do a course of treatment that was over a year ago like it's 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 been a nightmare um a lot of pain and it's it's been really hard but for me as someone who has been told that they need it it's a really intimidating sentence to hear so how do you kind of get women to because it's quite an embarrassing thing like that's how I felt anyway obviously now I'm, I'm going deep into this but how what's your kind of advice to women who have been told this and to not panic like so sure yeah I think that just society in general no matter where you live there's a lot of um you know it's our private parts it's just how we're taught from when we're kids it's an area to be embarrassed about um but one of my favorite things that I learned in one of my classes was they explained you know talking to people about the internal exam and doing any kind of internal work as washing the windows from both sides and they were like you know if you own a house would you only wash the windows from the outside like would you be okay with just that level of you know upkeep with your house and it's so true because it's you know we we kind of have to take care of our body inside and out um, and I also think that it's really empowering for women to know that it it is all muscle it's all muscle that we're looking at. And it's just like the muscles in your neck that get tight. We can carry tension in our pelvic floor the exact same way. And why does it happen there? I don't, you know, it doesn't necessarily make sense. Why do we carry stress in our neck either? Um, but it's all muscle. And so if you really understand the anatomy and you understand um, that we're just affecting muscle tissue, we're trying to wash the windows from the inside and out, there's a lot that we can do externally. We don't necessarily need to do internal. Um, but oftentimes that's what people need just to kind of get the relief or um, the resolution that they need for whatever it is going on. So, um, but I think the best thing that we can do as therapists is just educate about the anatomy because I think once people understand what's going on, they feel so much more in control and then it's not so scary. Um, and there's so many beautiful images out there and there's lots of really cool stuff because I think, you know, people are just embarrassed about their own anatomy. Most women have never taken a mirror down there and taken a look and then they have an issue or they have a baby or something happens and then they're like, I don't know what it looked like before. So how would I know if it's okay now? And so um, a lot of what we do is kind of teaching women to learn about their body, to respect their body. Um, and that can be so healing in and of itself is just taking a mirror and kind of getting, getting a good look at yourself, which is such a, such an interesting thing. But, um, there's a great book, um, it's called Come As You Are by Emily Nagasi, um, that I love to tell patients about because it just really talks, she's a sex therapist, but she talks about kind of, 
you know, just all the things that can happen um, in our sexual lives and our personal lives because of not knowing about our anatomy and not knowing what's going on down there. So um, it really kind of brings everyone to the same page and realizing that what you have is normal, what you have is great, and that can be a big part of the healing process too. So. I think this is it's really interesting actually. The, the conversations I've had with different people about all different areas of women's health so far has the same things are coming through. Women just need to get to know their bodies more, to know what's normal and to know what's not. And I feel like we can serve such a injustice in the fact that we have no real base to be like, oh, well, that's normal. We haven't really been taught it. We're not taught enough about any of this. And it's more clearer that we're actually left at such a disadvantage when we get to an age where it is affecting our life and completely ruining it that like so many women would, if they're having painful sex or it hurts to even a tampon in, to seek help, they would just they would just and think this is normal. And that's what's coming through so much. And all these conversations I'm having with different health specialists is that women just need to not be afraid of their bodies and just own it. Exactly. Yeah, and I think you know, once you get to that point where you can get to you know be comfortable to that point it makes such a difference but i think that's the best thing we can do as health providers is help people get to that that point and i think um pelvic health pt and just pelvic health in general has come so far um but there was such a long period and especially western medicine where you know the doctor did everything to you kind of and then the doctor would say oh, well, you just had a baby, of course, it's going to be painful. Of course, you're going to pee your pants. Of course, you know, this is all normal. And so um, I think that, you know, social media has helped a lot in getting people to kind of recognize that these aren't the norms. Um, but I still think we have a long way to go in addressing each individual woman and helping them get to a point where they can say something's not right or helping children learn, you know, at an early age what what looks normal. Um, there's a group of women that are kind of developing pictures of labias and things like that to just show differences because people, you know, think that there's just one perfect um, vagina out there. So, um, you know, just normalizing differences and um, skin changes and all the stuff that goes on. There's so much that can go on in that area. And um, what we can do is just help people recognize you know, that just because it's not the most common doesn't mean it's not normal. And so where, so how, kind of how would you, what's the process if someone comes to you and say like, they are having, it's, I can't remember what you call it, um, where it's hurting to put a tampon in, it hurts during sex, mm -hmm. what, is it vaginismus or? It can be vaginismus, yeah, dyspareunia, yeah. Yeah. painful sex. There's lots of words, yeah. Yeah, and how would you, if someone came to you with that, what would your process be for diagnosis and consultation? Like, what would that involve, kind of, how to find out what it is, kind of thing? For sure. Yeah, so um, we do a lot of, of hands-on. So generally, um, in my sessions, the first session, there's so much history taking that goes on because most of these women have so much of a story. You know, this didn't just start yesterday. So um, 
you know, and we're time limited. So most of the time, the first session, we're looking at, you know, a big, long subjective history, just kind of hearing their story and figuring out what's going on. And then looking externally, what can we see? Um, you know, we can look at their low back and their pelvis because everything's connected. You know, a lot of times people think, oh, it's just in my pelvic floor, but if something's going on higher or lower, um, we're going to kind of rule all those things out and figure out, is it coming from the hip? Um, and I think that's something really interesting about pelvic PTs is that it used to be that we were like, oh, they have tight pelvic floor muscles. So now they have, you know, pain. And it's like, that's great, but why do they have tight pelvic floor muscles? You know, is it, is it a previous hip injury that's going on? And then that's what stemmed this down the road. So um, kind of always looking for that underlying why of what what's causing it. Because um, we can treat pelvic tight pelvic floor muscles, but if we're not treating the hip, then it's not going to get any better. So looking kind of full body scan and kind of figuring out um, what can we change biomechanically to affect the pelvic floor. Um, and then generally, I usually wait till the second session to do an internal just because people are more comfortable. They know you, they can trust you a little bit more. Um, and an internal, what I tell people is it's nothing like the gynecologist. There's no speculum, there's no, there's one finger and I'm a small person. So it's one small finger <laughs> and we're looking at muscles. So there's three layers of muscles in the pelvic floor. Our first layer, we're about looking at like the first knuckle here and then the second layer second knuckle third layer third knuckle so that's kind of you know what we're looking at in terms of how much pressure we're using and we're pretty much just checking side to side if we feel an area of tension or tenderness um we can treat that area with different myofascial release trigger point release all the kind of same stuff that we do in pt we're just doing we're just washing the inside of the windows um, and then we can also figure out, you know, check their strength of their pelvic floor and see, is it a strength issue? Is that's what, um, causing incontinence or whatever it is. We can check for prolapse. Um, we can check the integrity of the skin. So there's lots that we can look at and just see externally. And then some things that we can feel, um, and then figure out, you know, how does that relate to their pain? Um, a lot of what we do as PTs is, we try to reproduce your pain to figure out, you know, what, what is causing it. Um, but I think people get really, really nervous about the initial exam and the internal stuff. And it is a little scary. You know, I always tell people when we take our courses, we do it on each other. So nothing I do to you, I've never, you know, I've always had it done to myself by a stranger in a weird room full of all these girls doing it all together. So um, I think that kind of puts people at ease because they're like, okay, at least I'm, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, um, we're in a private space. And, um, but I think you have to find the right person too. And so if you've had a bad experience with a just regular PT or pelvic health PT, I encourage people to look, to keep looking because um, sometimes it's just not the right person and it's not necessarily that they're bad PT. I don't want to throw anybody under the bus because sometimes it's, they had a bad day or, you know, something else was going on or they just weren't the right person for you. So if you have had a bad experience, I would encourage you to keep looking because it's, it's possible to find somebody that can help. And I think that's the thing. I think it's also like, I mean, this week's um, smear week as well. And there was a park in the UK where women were getting their smears and it's now decreasing. And it's kind of, I think women just have it so 
it just seems so scary like yeah. that. but I think I think we need to kind of break down that stigma because at the end of the day like it's your health and this is what I keep saying on all of these sessions is it's your health and if you want to live a healthier more comfortable life then you need to get over your fears like it is really kind of battling those demons that people have instantly that just fills their head with fear well and I think it's also really interesting there's so much interesting um science about pain and um so much research recently and they're finding that stress and fear and all those things play such a big role into pain so if pain is the struggle then all of those things are kind of feeding into it and so um if you can find you know and sometimes it takes a combination of things it takes you know um a psychologist or some other mental health you know experts to kind of help be on the team and i think if we can have you know a team approach that's even even better but i think if you know, we know that fear and stress leads into pain. And so then just kind of completes the cycle. And so if we can, you know, find someone we can trust um, and know more about it, feel more in control, that's going to help with all of the, the different areas of the issue. And that leads me on quite nicely, actually. So when you have your clients, most of the time, you obviously get to know their backstory. Do you find that a lot of people's pain actually is them holding their emotions in, stress? anxiety, bed their symptoms of everything else of say if they've got endometriosis, those different conditions, it's being held in your body in that area because of that stress. And do you find that when you work with the patient obviously in a physical therapy way, but you also tackle the emotional tension that they could be holding? For sure, yeah. I think I think it's really really interesting how um, many times I've seen people, you know, carrying their emotional stress in a physical way, and it's and you know I always tell people pain is real. You know, pain is a hundred percent real, and the output of pain comes from our brain, but that doesn't mean that it's not a real sensation and that we don't experience it. Um, but we know that there's so much of our nervous system that can change and be upregulated or be kind of an overdrive when we're in especially chronic pain. And chronic pain doesn't have to be like 20 years. It can be, you know, three weeks. It can be just a period of time where you're experiencing um, pain for a longer period of time. And so I think if your nervous system is upregulated, so the way that I like to think about it is it's kind of like an alarm system on a house. Um, so you want the alarm system to go off when you someone breaks into your house. Um, but you don't want it to go off when the tree like brushes against your house. And so if your alarm system is turned up too high, then it will go off, you know, kind of with the wind blowing or something like that. And so that happens with our nervous system, with our body, is that we can experience pain at even lower levels of stimulus because our nervous system is just so ramped up. And what causes our nervous system to be ramped up? It's stress. It's not sleeping. It's not getting enough of water. It's not eating and so what I find is that it's not necessarily that I'm dealing with all the emotional components, but I'm educating people on hydration and just kind of the basic human needs that we all forget about because we're busy and we've got too much to do. Um, so if we take care of our basic human needs and we get enough sleep and we have good relationships and we, you know, do the things that feed our soul and our heart and all the, you know, all of that stuff, it makes such a difference in our ability to tolerate 
pain and to, you know, for our bodies to just be um, kind of at a more neutral state. So that when we do experience a pain stimulus, our body kind of knows how to handle it better. And so we can treat the physical components of the pain. We can treat um, kind of everything that's going on, but we also have to get the nervous system kind of regulated again. And that takes time and it takes practice and it's things um, like mindfulness training and meditation. And people always look at me like I'm crazy, but I'm like, you know, it, if you can take five minutes out of your day, you know, everyone's busy. We all have busy schedules, but five minutes in the evening to just slow down a little bit, do some breathing, all of that can help um, in making a big difference in your ability to tolerate pain um, and hopefully get to a point where you're experiencing less pain overall. So um, I think everything is so connected. We can't really just be physical therapists. We have to kind of look at the whole nervous system and the whole body and the whole person. So. And the brain as well. Like the mind yeah. And it's such a massive, massive, I'm a massive believer in it. Yes, it's so true. So what is, what would you say like the most common problem for women that haven't had a baby, but what would you say the most common problem that you see in your surgery is? Um, so I see a lot of um, pelvic pain. So, and it's not, it doesn't always present like pain with sex. Sometimes it'll be, you know, pain with urination and someone will think that they've had, you know, like they're like, I've been tested for every UTI in the book and I don't have one and I don't have an infection, but I just have pain with, you know, um, with urination or with sex or, so because of the way that the pelvic floor, I don't have my model here, but, um, it really encompasses a whole bowl of the pelvis. So pain can refer to a lot of different areas. And so you might have more pain in the buttock area. You might have more pain in the front of the hip, um, in the labia. I mean, it just depends. And so um, I think, you know, pelvic pain is probably the biggest thing outside of all the issues that we can see with pregnancy. Um, but, you know, it is treatable and chronic pain is treatable. We just have to find the right combination of, um, I always say like puzzle pieces because it is, it's, you know, there's so much that goes into someone, you know, being in a painful state. Um, but that's probably the most common thing. And so I think um, if you are dealing with pelvic pain, um, obviously finding a pelvic health physical therapist is important, but, you know, also doing, you know, doing all that mindfulness and doing just the basic human things that will help calm that nervous system down, that can be really, really effective. Um, I'm trying to think of other diagnoses that are not pregnancy related. Um, but yeah, it can be anything. It can be inserting a tampon, it can be painful sex. And I think painful sex is such an interesting one too, because then there's the relationship dynamic and there's the guilt and there's the, you know, wanting to be there for your partner. And so um, it, that is such a such a cycle but that book that I mentioned come as you are that's such a great because it really addresses the whole um all the sides of it and ways to work with your partner to you know problem solve um solutions for you and your relationship um and so yeah I think it's a it's a difficult one but it's definitely something that we can help with um and the other professionals can play a big role in too for sure Perfect. And then I've obviously, I've been talking to different people and I've, I've had a lot of women that have um, suffered from different conditions and stuff. And women's health in general, I just feel kind of, it's 
if it's a male and they come in in pain, they're like, oh my God, you must be in pain. If it's a female, I personally have been like doctors and surgeries and I've spoken to so many women who are at the end of the tether. They've gone back to doctors, they are saying they're in pain, they are saying refer me and they are not getting listened to. Do you have a lot of women that come in and they're just like at the end of their tether and like, I have no idea how to fix this? Yes, yes. So unfortunately, I mean, I was just reading another, um, one of the other pelvic PTs post this morning about comments that women had made of, you know, things that they've heard from medical professionals. And it's, it's astounding what you will hear. And I, I don't, I don't know why it happens. Um, I like to think that sometimes I always, I'm like, oh, they're just having a bad day. They're just having a bad day. But um, I, I don't know. I don't know why um, people downplay pain because it's such, it is such a real experience and it's so, you know, um, complicated and deep in our nervous system that it's not something that we can just, no one wants to be in pain. No one wants to, if we could just say, I don't want to be in pain, we would, I wouldn't have a job and everything, you know, people would be great, but that's just not how it works. And so, um, there are a lot of women and men that come in and it's, um, you know, they've been through every provider, they've seen everything, but I think ultimately you have to find both a doctor um, and a physical therapist and the team of people that truly can listen and hear your story and take a new approach. Um, I think especially with pain, a lot of times it's not necessarily that we need something brand new and some new, you know, intervention or anything like that. We just need someone to listen and we need something different. And if you've been kind of like ramming your head into the wall over and over with the same providers, probably just a different provider is going to be the best solution. Um, and I think, um, you know, if it's something where you're just feeling like there's nobody in your area, um, there are some different resources. And I don't know in terms of where you, where you guys are, but there's lots of different resources for um, you know, pelvic pain blogs and, you know, lots of different internet sources to find providers that understand, um, or even physiatrists, different types of providers that specialize in pain. Um, but I think you just have to find the right, the right person that understands, um, and can start something fresh with you and just giving yourself and knowing that there's hope. I think that's the hardest thing too, is that it gets really challenging when you feel like, there's just no solutions, no one's been able to help. Um, but there are people out there, we just have to find the right ones. And I know that's not super helpful, but, but I do think um, there, are, there are the right people, it's just getting the, them together. And how do you see, like, in, in your opinion, how do you think that we can move women's health forward so that, that the issues that a lot of women are dealing with quite frequently, are avoided or at least more acknowledged in the wider world how do you see us moving forward for sure yeah so I think um you know really really basic simple things in terms of things that we can do to even teach young children I think that's such a great place to start um toileting techniques so you know girls all over the world are you know squatting and not sitting down fully when they pee um because they're at a bar or wherever they are and it's gross and they don't want to sit down but we know that that leads to tension in the pelvic floor because 
we're basically trying to push pee out of a closed door. So teaching toileting, proper toileting techniques from when kids are little, but also, you know, educating women about taking a little cover with them if they don't feel comfortable sitting on the seat. Um, so just education. I mean, a lot of what I do is just kind of reteaching, you know, and people think they know how to toilet because they've done it their whole life, but most of them are doing it wrong. Um, and so, you know, breathing and making sure you're, you know, you're not pushing when you poo, you're breathing and that breath will allow, you know, everything to kind of come down using a squatty potty, um, bringing your knees up helps to just allow the muscles to be in a better position so that your rectum can let go of everything nicely. So there's so much that's um, just purely simply education. Um, and I think that is kind of the best, the best way because we can, you know, we can hope that people go and see a pelvic floor PT and they find somebody in their area that's great. Um, but that's not always the case. And there's, you know, financial concerns and different things, especially now and with COVID, there's just a lot going on, but there's a lot that you can do, you know, in your own home to, to make sure that when you are interacting with that area, um, it's in a safe and good way. So um, with painful sex, using lubrication, I think women get really nervous about using lubrication because they think their partner is going to be embarrassed or it's going to be slippery or weird. Um, but it's normal. It's totally normal to need a little bit extra. And um, that can make everything just feel a lot better, make the situation a lot better. Um, so there's lots that we can do on our own. We don't necessarily need um, a ton of healthcare providers if that's not a possibility. Um, but just education, I think, is the way forward for everyone. And it empowers you to feel like you're in control. Um, so you mentioned um, commas and wobs book. What other books and resources would you suggest people to kind of check out? For sure, yeah. So um, there's so much on social media. I think it's amazing. Um, I'm just kind of starting my professional social media now, but um, there are so many different things that you can find in terms of education. Um, there's also a lot of cool podcasts. I'm a big podcast person, so lots of podcasts about pain. Um, there's a one called Pain Reframed. It's it's PT, so it's a little bit um, PT speak, I guess. But but they interview different um, providers, so anesthesiologists, different types of doctors, and things like that about their experiences with pain and patients as well. Um, that I think is really interesting, just to kind of give people a full. Um, understanding of pain. I think most of us really don't understand why we experience pain. And when you can, you know, understand why it's going on and what's happening, um, it makes it so much easier to deal with and find solutions to help make it better. Um, what else? There's so much. Um, yeah, I, I think, I mean, especially in this world, I would say just Instagram and finding pelvic health you know, hashtags and different things like that. There's just a ton of people out there trying to spread the good news of pelvic health. Um, but that is kind of the best way to get, you know, little snippets of information, and educational pieces. And especially now with COVID, there's so much free um, education going on um, for people to kind of understand a little bit more about their bodies and what they can do to help. Yeah. Amazing. Um, and so to kind of round off our conversation what would your top three tips be for women who 
just feel really overwhelmed, don't know where to begin, are really nervous, what would your suggestions be? So I think one of the best things we can do is to breathe. So we tend to hold our breath. We're like very, you know, we talk all the time. We, know we just don't breathe enough. And when we think about the pelvic floor, so our diaphragm is our kind of horizontal muscle underneath our rib cage here. And then our pelvic floor is lower in our pelvis, um, but they work together. So when you breathe in, your pelvic floor and your diaphragm will relax down. And then when you breathe out, your pelvic floor will gently contract and your diaphragm will lift up. So they kind of, they go down together and they go up together. So just by breathing and just by slowing down and taking some breaths, we can have a big impact on our pelvic floor. Um, so I think, you know, taking, there's so many apps out there for meditation and things like that. Um, one of my new favorite ones is called Insight Timer, um, but it's mostly free. So like Calm and all those cool ones are like all paid now. So um, if you want free apps, <laughs> um, that's kind of the best one I found recently, but just five minute meditation a day, just working on breathing and kind of checking in. So that would be my other tip is see if you can bring awareness to that area. When you've had pain in your pelvic floor, you've had trauma to your pelvic floor, we tend to ignore it. We're like, I don't want to know anything about that area. I don't like it. It's not good. Um, but if you can bring awareness and bring some positive thoughts and some good vibes to that area, um, that's a huge part of it. A lot of my, what I do is teach people about the area. They don't even know it exists. They're having issues there and they're not even connected to it. And like we talked about in the beginning, it's the foundation for your core. It's the foundation for all of your movement. So if you're not connected to that area because of whatever is going on, um, it's going to lead to a lot of issues. And so um, you can bring awareness by trying to do a gentle contraction by just doing some breathing. Um, and then the other thing I would say is just movement. I think that when we have pain, we get really, really scared to move. Um, and that makes sense. It's easier when we lay down, it feels better, um, all of that. But motion is lotion. The more that we move, the better that we feel um, psychologically, mentally, physically. Um, so move that area and kind of get it used to, and it can be slow. It can be a walk. It can be something um, short. It doesn't need to be crazy intense activity, but, you know, connecting and moving the area is really one of the first steps and bringing awareness to the area are the first steps to kind of getting, um, getting an area back to the way that we want it to, to work. Amazing. And then, yeah. That's what, have you got a third one? A third one. So, um, so toileting. I think toileting is so big. So um, sitting down fully on the toilet. Um, so if you're urinating, you don't necessarily need to lean forward or lean back, but some people tend to relax their pelvic floors a little bit more when they lean forward. Um, so you can kind of lean forward onto your, your elbows on your knees. Um, and breathe, you know, and the other thing is women, especially we like go to the bathroom and we sit down and we're like, we got to go like we hurry, we rush, somebody's waiting for us, or we don't, we're embarrassed, whatever it is. But just, you know, what happens when we urinate is our bladder contracts and our pelvic floor relaxes. So there's no need to push. We don't need to push at all. Everything's just going to kind of come out um, once we sit down and we relax that area. So let it just do its job. 
you could take a few minutes off and just relax. Um, so I think that's a big, big one. Because I think women all over the world are standing up and peeing and we're doing all kinds of weird things to avoid toilet seats. Um, and then with, um, with pooping, the biggest thing is just, again, relaxing, breathing. And then if you can use a squatty potty or a stool or whatever you have to get your knees a little bit higher than your hips, um, it changes the angle of our rectum, releases one of the pelvic floor muscles, and just makes it a lot easier. Um, but again, we don't need to be straining or pushing or anything like that. Our bodies really truly do know what to do. Um, we just kind of have to relax and give them the time to be able to do that. Um, so I think toileting is huge. It's something that we just learn incorrectly because people are like, hurry, go to the bathroom, hurry, hurry. Um, and we don't really, men give themselves all the time in the world to go. And we, as women, are just always in a rush. So um, toileting correctly is a big one. Amazing. Well, that yeah. was honestly so, so insightful. So where can people find you and connect with you? Sure, yeah. So I'm at Dr. Meredith Brzezinski PT on Instagram. Um, I'm hopeful to start a, a website soon. Um, I just recently made a transition from a job into a new job. So um, now I'm offering in-home kind of one-on-one -on -one care, which is really my style. I like to have the time with people because that's what they need. Um, and so being able to do it in their homes, I think, is a really unique opportunity, especially for pelvic health, because there's no waiting room, there's no embarrassment, it's just us, and we can kind of get get to what we need to get to. So um, it's a great, I'm really excited about this new opportunity, um, but I will, and once I have more information, I'll send you this website, but all of it should be on my, easy to find on my Instagram. Amazing. Well, thank you so, so much and for taking of course. with me. It really does mean a lot. Um, I'll be posting this probably next week. Um, okay. and I'll, I'll keep it on social and stuff. And yeah, like just thank you so much. Of course. Nice to meet you. So good. You too. Take care. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.